Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. mail-in contest, you can choose between $90,000 or 90,000 donuts. A leisurely cross-country trip. What did you do? Hang on, I can't steer. An unexpected breakdown. Can you believe this? A helpful passerby. Folks all right? Our car broke down. I can give you a ride to Bell's, a little diner about five miles down the road. They got a payphone. You call a tow truck. They just come in and haul you out. It could happen to anyone. Excuse me. I was supposed to meet my wife here. It's just dark hair, about five five. Doesn't ring a bell. Welcome to Rewatchability. We're a podcast on the Entertainment One Podcast Network. I'm Robert Larone. With me, as always, is Blaine Waters and Jay and McNabb. You guys are no fun. I would have had like a cool CD hand. And we we leave like. that to you. We leave it to you. <laughs> we don't want to steal well, your thing. Well, when I'm doing this job, you guys should pick up the weight. You know the slack. Come on. Uh, CB is not a huge part of this movie. Well, no, I know, but I mean. I'll, I reson- it resonated with me. I'll I'll talk about why. But if we had done Joyride, which is another vengeful trucker movie, <laughs> yeah. that has more CB radio stuff. That's true. Dog. That's true. There, there is an entire genre of vengeful trucker movies, of which we are talking about perhaps the best and uh, the original one. Well, not the original one, because there are some there are some really old ones, but the most the most original <laughs> of the '90s for sure. Yeah, sure. But, but before yeah. we get into that, we should first of all thank our Patreons. Those are the folks who give us a little bit of money each month. And in return, we give them the podcast early and ad-free. No commercialism, none of that. It's just pure podcast, baby. And uh... <laughs> Right into your pods. Ew. What is... Maybe a little bit too much podcast. <laughs> But if you want to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and donate a little bit of money. It doesn't have to be a lot, one, three, or five dollars. And sometimes we give you some bonus episodes, lots of great stuff. Well, really just the bonus yeah, episodes. And we'll <laughs> we'll definitely give you your loved ones back. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. I mean as long as you pay up. You know? Yeah. yeah. Ninety thousand dollars. That's the uh that's the loved ones tier <laughs> on our Patreon. <laughs> Don't just try to give us five thousand and dollar bills. We will see right through <laughs> Damn that right. shit. <laughs> yeah. But if you haven't guessed, we are talking about the movie Breakdown from nineteen ninety seven, directed and written by Jonathan Mostow, starring 
Kurt Russell and also J.T. Walsh. And I didn't write down who played the uh, who played the wife because uh, Kathleen Quinlan. Thank you. (laughs) Academy Award nominee Kathleen. What what was she nominated for? for? She was nominated for Apollo 13. Ah, Oh, yeah. She played the rocket. Straight to the moon, I, Rob. I know. Bang, I, pal. <laughs> I like Kathleen Quinlan. I, we'll talk. Oh, about she was her good. She was great in this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thankless, um, role, but she was good. Yeah, abs- I mean, I well, we'll talk about it. Some I, I have some. I have some <laughs> okay. things to say about it. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah, Actually, Jam, this was your suggestion. Why don't you tell us when you first saw Breakdown? Uh, well. I saw it. Well, first of all, I suggested it because uh, they just released a new Blu-ray of it like a month or two ago, and I just got mine in the mail. It's from like an Australian company wow. called Imprint. It's like a special edition of. Do you have to put that Blu-ray in upside down. <laughs> that was so. <laughs> that... <laughs> uh, I do, and I, I, I Paul Hogan has to do it for me. It's, uh... I'm I'm surprised. I mean, I, I haven't bought a piece of physical media in a long time. Mm. Jam, you you still have these things? Is your Netflix yeah, I broken? Don't know why... <laughs> no. Well, I I'm a big advocate for physical for sure. media. I think it looks better than streaming. Sometimes, like the aspect ratio is funny on streaming. Streaming is very unreliable. Mm. Look, I still subscribe to like a billion streaming things. Don't get me wrong, but if it's something I care about and love, I will absolutely still buy the Blu-ray. And also, like you know, I don't buy a lot of stuff on like. Apple, like if I want to buy something, I usually get a, a DVD or mm-hmm. a Blu-ray. But I did buy like a Sesame Street thing for my kids at one point, and that fucking disappeared. Like I bought, I've bought like five oh, movies gosh. on iTunes, and one of them has already disappeared because of some vague rights issue. <laughs> so physical media is the way to go. <laughs> and uh, you know, actually, I tried to buy Breakdown uh, on DVD when like a video store in my neighborhood was closed. This one's like, not for sale. T- <laughs> 10 years ago no i went to get it and it someone had rented it so it wasn't there and then i later found out that it was uh, like one of my roommates that had rented it um, did he return okay, it or so, did you just yeah. keep the dvd we just watched the rented one and then i forgot about it so i'm glad i, I you got it on your on system for a while yeah but uh i watched this movie in the theater and it had a big impact on me wow I, i'm not I'm not kidding. It was it was a huge movie for me and my friends at the time. I I don't have any specific recollections other than I remember what theater I saw it in, which was a beautiful old single screen theater in Toronto that unfortunately closed down and became like an event space. And maybe I've talked about this theater before, but that was that was the theater that got turned into event space where my school had our our high school prom. <laughs> That's kind of neat, though. And I remember, yeah, it was kind of neat, but I remember, like, at the prom, just thinking about, like, man, this is where I watched Breakdown that time. <laughs> Rather be watching Breakdown. <laughs> Jam, dance with me. Off, oh, I just wish I was watching Breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> You're no Quinlan. Uh, Get out of here. That's, yeah, that's eerily close to the truth. <laughs> but I, I also remember, like, seeing it in a matinee and coming out of the theater like into the daylight and just feeling drained <laughs> like in a good way like it had just 
felt like me and my friends and everyone in the theater had just like been through an ordeal. Hugging each other, physically exhausted. (laughs) Yeah, and it's weird. And then like when it came out on video, I bought it on on VHS and watched it again at home with my dad. I think. And we had the same exact experience. By the end of it, we were just exhausted. Like, we just felt completely drained. It was just 90 minutes of of tension and suspense. And by the time it that release came where it ends, like, we, just, I think we just went to bed <laughs> in silence. So I've, I've always loved this movie. And I, I, I always thought it, this was like a niche movie that, like, me and my friends loved, but that never got a lot of acclaim. But now with the Blu-ray, and I've seen some other people just talking about it on articles and podcasts, like, it does seem like this movie, there is a revival of interest in this movie, which makes me very happy. So that's partly why I wanted to talk about it on the show. Okay, you, well, uh, the first time I had a breakdown, um, was oh the movie the movie we're talking the movie about the, okay, okay no I don't really remember where or when I saw this movie but I definitely have seen this movie like UJM uh, it I it must have made an impact on me because like I remembered so much about it but I always confused it later with like the one with Meatloaf. Black Dog? Yeah, Black Dog. And maybe it's just because they're both trucker movies or whatnot, but when I saw Kurt Russell, when like the opening scene of like following that car, I was like, oh, yeah. Like all these memories came flooding back about how much I liked this movie, but it kind of faded into the background for me. So I was really excited to watch it again. But it's it's one of those movies that's so that I just love so much. It's almost like the, a real-time movie where you're following this person trying to do something impossible in real time in in the movie like remember the movie with johnny depp called a nick of T- in the nick of time it's just called nick of time because this is because his name is nick <laughs> oh my god <laughs> okay in so the nick <laughs> so i remember loving that movie because it's like how is he going to get out of the situation and the same with like breaking bad and stuff like but this right. this movie is just so well done that way um but it's it's weird that I didn't remember it so much. I think I was trying to think of why, and I think it it might just be because we're in this kind of um, this backdrop for so long in the movie. We're in the like this Nevada esque uh, place for, in the desert for so long that nothing feels like it changes. It feels like it's in the same locale for so long. Mm. I don't know. I, I'm 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 still trying to figure it out why I don't uh why I didn't remember it. But um it's a you know it's it is I can understand why you're exhausted because it's a it's a trip of a movie. Rob, did you see this movie before? Actually before before you say anything, Rob, I do just want to correct myself. His name was not Nick in Nick mm. of Time. It was time. It, 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 <laughs> no his name was Gene Watson. Wow. His name was Gene Wilder. Remember. <laughs> would have been a better cast. Yeah, then why would it just be called Nick of Time and not A Nick of Time? I'm, I'm or... pretty sure there probably was like another movie that year called In the Nick of Time, and they were like, uh, In the Nick of Time. Like and they just Man didn't want to do it. on the poster Sorry. or something. But that's one where like and someone made... is kidnapped, and he needs to. He's in a train station. He needs to like find out what's. He needs to get help before they. Anyway, real time. He has to assassinate like a oh, politician, yeah. or else they'll kill his daughter. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good setup for a movie. Um, it was like... yeah in the nineties. They people just kidnapped people if they wanted someone to do something. <laughs> no one did anything. The kidnapping nineties. <laughs> do these dishes? Should we rob else... a bank? No, <laughs> just kidnap someone. 
Yeah, it's easier. Exactly. But but this one, you know, th- that one was kind of like a, a comp- like a little bit of a complex setup. You have to kill someone to do it. But this one really we've all been on road trips we've all had the experience of like losing someone on a trip and being like where'd they go and just not really knowing where they were and that feels <laughs> like we? this it feels it feels yeah it feels what like happened so to that real. person blaine what person <laughs> oh my god <laughs> they're uh, gone Bl- now blaine i've seen your vacation snaps and you always wear like baggy khakis <laughs> with like a tucked in polo shirt so we've all been there we've all been there. i'm saying okay <laughs> fair enough what about you, Rob? Yeah, I saw this movie, I think, on VHS. I think we just rented it at my dad's. And the reason why I uh, the CB thing resonated with me, because my dad was crazy about CB radios. So he would have pointed it out and been like, ah, CB radios. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did, he, did you have a CB scanner in your house? Or yeah, like, we what? had a police scanner in my house. And yeah. honestly, like, my dad would listen to it all the time. And it was... It was really annoying, actually, because it had this like it like would do this like beeping because I don't know. I don't maybe you're not supposed to have it or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. My my grandmother had one in her house. She lived alone and it would just be on all the time and it would just scan through all the available CB channels. And then when anyone was talking on it, it would like freeze on that channel and pick up whatever was happening. And I remember like I got in an accident in a car accident my grandmother f- first heard about it on the TV radio <laughs> and phoned my mom to be like there was a, there was a, a a person matching Blaine's description that is unconscious being taken to the hospital right now we have a, a car white twerpy looking fella <laughs> mid baggy pants uh polo. <laughs> blue polo t-shirt yeah he's he's unconsciously singing blink 182 maybe we should just call it at the scene Maybe he doesn't need to go to the hospital, but yeah, it's so it's so crazy that like people of, the, of a certain generation in certain jobs, I feel like loved the CB scanner. Like my my grandmother was a nurse, so she loved hearing the paramedics arrive on right. scene and like do like she loved that stuff. Yeah, but it was always so distracting. <laughs> you try to talk to your grandmother, and she'd be like, "Just a minute." And she, like, <laughs> to this. Yeah, we have multiple homicide, and that's it's <laughs> my dad. Whenever I try to bond with him, hey, how about some catch, old man? He's like, wait a minute, <laughs> yeah. some can we open our Christmas presents yet? <laughs> Just until after this fire's done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do you think bonding with you is more exciting than homicides? Come on, no, no. Yeah, but I hadn't seen this in in since then, and hadn't thought about it since then, and uh, so yeah, I was. I was ready. I was ready for, like, you know, to be broken down <laughs> and built back God. up again. Like going well, to an you acting break school. Down, can you break down the plot of the movie I for can us? Oh. Run it down. Oh. <laughs> no, I can so break weird. it down. Let's see. It's the same thing. So it stars Kurt Russell as this guy named Jeff, very guy name, and his wife. They are, they are driving through the desert in their uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee. Very, very, you know, nice car, I think, for the time. They seemed, everybody seems to be very impressed by his uh, car. They're like, city boy with his Jeep Grand Cherokee. (laughs) You got the CD player in there. (laughs) Well, they're phasing out the Cherokee name, too. Right, uh, because of the... uh, So that's already dated. exactly. Also, I was surprised the Jeep let... Like, I was wondering if they would 
actually have the logo on the car because if i was a car company i probably wouldn't want my car front and center in a movie called breakdown (laughs) you'd think that but i mean they really they sort of give this car like the loving look like even at the point later when like somebody drives kurt russell off the road in it and he ends up going in the river it's like this car can yeah. really handle well under those conditions. You sort of think he's just going to drive it <laughs> through the river and sort of up the river like, bank and drive it away. <laughs> he's like, I can't believe I got this at the dealer for zero down. Jesus, this is great. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's like those parts in the car commercial where like they show like a Jeep off-roading, and you're like, why would they need to do that? <laughs> it's probably because MC Ganey is trying to exactly. murder Exactly. We've all been there. We've all been there. Yeah, but so they are just driving, and he's he's kind of distracted, and she's sleeping, and he sort of reaches back to get a thermos or something, and he almost, you know, this truck comes from out of nowhere and almost hits him, and he ends up, like, yelling at, they have, like, a yelling thing. They're like, hey, you asshole, ah! But it's a little bit disturbing because you think you're safe, you're driving, and then something bad happens, and it really, it shakes you, you know? So mm-hmm. they decide to pull off at the next gas station or whatever. and uh, En route, the local Ontario. You know, just take a breather. And so they do, fills up the gas, and oh, shit. The guy in the truck is stopped there, too. And he sort of gives Kurt Russell a hard time. <laughs> I love how much, how aggressively he likes the car, too. He's like, he's like oh, you got a nice car there. You got, uh... you got air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, Rack I mean, the steering, at, huh? nice car. Thanks. You got your air, CD, leather. Looks to me like you sprung for a whole nine yards. Yeah, guess so. But uh, I suppose that rig of yours there is what you really need out here, huh? Why would you want a piece of shit like that when you got a ride like this? What a man needs out here is a CB radio. The the ads for the Cherokee read itself right there. Like, car so nice, get your wife kidnapped for it. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Writes itself. But the, and this is MC Ganey, who, as we know, is a bad motherfucker from mm. Lost. Oh, he's most so good. notably, yeah. Also, I've been rewatching Lost, so it was great to uh, it was great to see him. It's awesome. Oh wow, we should do Lost. We should do God. Lost. Yeah, that that wouldn't take any time at all. <laughs> we just have to dedicate <laughs> like the a, rest of the podcast four, to doing Lost. <laughs> a four part series on Lost. We should just do it. It's so good. But he he says his CB radio handle should be shit for brains, and uh, you know. Gives him heck for... Seems like a little long. For the, Seems a little yeah, long for, you know, for a radio hand. I would go with, like, yeah. Tex or, like, you know, <laughs> the Midnight Rambler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so they get back on the road, and they keep on driving. And then something happens to their car. They have a breakdown. <laughs> Everyone looks into the camera at this point. Yeah. Winks. And, like, it's like... it's. It's like quite the breakdown because all the panels are going off, like all the lights are going crazy. You don't know what's happening, and the car isn't going to move anymore, so they're sort of stuck. And what can they do? They're going to wait till somebody passes and wave them down and see if they can get a ride or something. Next person who passes is that truck with MC Ganey in it, and they think 
they think it's trouble, but then he passes, but then he stops. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that moment when he stops and turns around. It's so. I mean, it's like you were talking about with like almost hitting the car. It's that. It's that like. Like you, you think you're safe, but like that's all an illusion. It's just all an illusion. It can be taken away at any moment. And I love that kind of core value in in this movie. I, I remember when I was visiting New York one time with my friend, and it was like late at night, like two in the morning, and there was this group of four guys that just started following us, being like, "We should kill these guys. We should just we should just push these guys into an alley and kill." And they were just like behind us, and I was just like, "You, you could." <laughs> like there's nothing Wait, stopping what? you. They, they said that out loud. Yeah, yeah, behind us, walking, like intimidating us and surrounding oh. us, and was and it was like, it was wow. very like, I don't know, like, are you sure I, they I weren't practicing people... their lines for a Broadway play? <laughs> <laughs> we could kill them. We could kill. Them. It's and just then like comes a musical. the dance break, breakdown. <laughs> we could just kill these guys in an alley, Max Bialystok. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds uh, terrifying. Well, yeah, but it's that it's that thing where you just you everyone has this kind of false sense of of security, like oh that won't happen to me, which we've seen tons of in the pandemic with people being like I don't need to wear a mask. Yeah, Ted Nugent, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. Down so, the fuck, <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, um, I mean, it's it's one of those really great moments in this movie where it just that dread sinks in, and I just felt it in this mm-hmm. movie. It was, it was really mm-hmm. good. but luckily. Somebody else comes by and sort of like saves the day in a way. They get uh, this 18-wheeler pulls up and uh, J.T. Walsh gets out. And he is kind and helpful, which is great because Mm -hmm. J.T. Walsh is awesome. And he's like, well, you know, I could drive you guys to the diner down the road and you could call somebody and they could uh, call a tow truck and they could tow your truck. But Kurt Russell doesn't want to leave his brand new Jeep Cherokee, Grand Cherokee, excuse me, on the on the highway. So he decides to stay behind, and instead, his wife goes with J.T. Walsh alone, and she'll, you know, they'll come back for him. So he waits a while. No, no, he'll go in the tow truck and meet them at the right, diner. right, yeah. So he waits a while. And then he wanders out to the front of the Jeep where the hood's open, and uh, he's like, oh, it's just these two wires aren't connected. And then he connects them, and then uh, he starts back up, and it's as good as new. It's Mm -hmm. that easy. (laughs) And so he goes to the diner, and this is where things get a little bit tricky because uh, his his wife's not there. And, uh, you know, where is she? I don't know. <laughs> Tell me, Rob. Yeah, I mean, he for, he tries to get information from the uh, bartender guy who who runs the place. Uh, I assume his name is Bell, and uh, <laughs> and he's like really aggressive about it. But uh, this guy doesn't know anything. But he sort of freaks out. He's about to have a breakdown, it seems, but uh, he doesn't. And he goes outside, and this like sort of simple kid. Tells him that uh, he saw his wife going down the road, down like a certain road or something like that. So he uh, goes mm-hmm. in his... And he also tells him the cops are in on it to not phone the cops. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But this is kind of after he he also like meets, he kind of finds the trucker on the road. Oh, yeah. He he like runs J.T. Walsh off Oh, the yeah, road that's right. And then like flags down the sheriff and says like, hey, this guy... 
my wife got into this guy's truck. And then, you know, this was the big moment because that's another thing I didn't mention about when I first saw Breakdown is I don't even know if I was that excited to see it, but the trailer for Breakdown played in front of every movie. Like I had seen that trailer so many times by the time I actually saw Breakdown. Mm -hmm. And there are some key lines that I still remember from that trailer. And one of them is JT Walsh saying like, I don't know how to tell you, mister, but I've never seen you before in my life. Oh yeah. 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 Like, and, and I, I don't even think the movie or sorry, the trailer really tips off like what's happening. Like they show you kind of some snippets of the first act like and the then paranoia some, like, images. Yeah. Yeah. So like I, I, yeah, I like going into the movie, like you, I certainly, I don't remember knowing that, that we knew that he wasn't going crazy mm-hmm. or that it was something supernatural or, you know, like we didn't really know what the answer to this mystery of what happened to his wife, what the resolution of that was going to be. Yeah. And yeah, I love that this scene because you, even the way it plays out here, like we don't totally know mm-hmm. we, what's we, happening. We and it's called breakdown. Him. He yeah. could just be having a breakdown. Could be having a breakdown. <laughs> yeah. I, I totally doubted him. Like the way GT Walsh acts and the way it's directed, I'm like, I believe him more than Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in this scene. Yeah. He is right. an it's expert well gaslighter. That is actual <laughs> well, gaslighting. Sir, what do you have to say about this? Officer, I don't know. I'm driving along. This fellow runs me off the road, starts hollering about his wife. I swear, I've never seen him before in my life. And you didn't give his wife a ride? No, sir. He's lying. Sir, would it be all right with you if I search your truck? Hell yes, go ahead. Name's Barr, by the way, Red Barr. All my uh, permits are current. You can see them right that up won't there. be necessary. Yeah, just stand back behind the line, both no, of you. There's a lot of economic like prejudice at play mm-hmm. here where, you know, obviously these are people from the city. They're perceived as being very rich. And conversely, Kurt Russell and Kathleen Quinlan kind of see like the truckers and the people who live here as just kind of folksy, simple people. Mm-hmm. And so I, th- I think the movie's ultimately about those like two prejudices kind of being shed or or realizing that they're not true. But I think there is that moment when he pulls over JT Walsh, and we as the audience know it's it's the same guy. But the sheriff is says like, are you know this maybe could have been a different truck? Mm-hmm. Like, are you sure? Did you get the license plate? And I think. And you want as the audience, you know, Kurt Russell would be like, I talked to this guy, like I know it's that guy, but you get the sense that there's maybe like this voice in the back of Kurt Russell's head where he's like, you know, it probably could have been another right. trucker. Like I, I didn't really see the human being mm-hmm. behind the trucker hat and the sunglasses and the truck. Like, For sure. you know, like he could have that bias as as someone who has been reductive about the people in this rural community that he is visiting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's like a theme that sort of runs throughout a bunch of movies too. Like that's like part of deliverance, obviously, and uh, Mm -hmm. lots of movies. And there's like also variations on that as well. Like what we talked about, like uh, last week we talked about quick change, you know, and that's basically like people in the city being like, oh, like, oh, the city's terrible. You know, it's it's bad yeah. out here. And this is people being like, ah, the rural areas, they're crazy. Mm-hmm. And you know what's funny? That whole thing with deliverance or that, you know, that whole kind of 
trope was certainly popularized around that time for the next you know few decades with uh, deliverance but <laughs> i remember reading that the book that deliverance is based takes on, place in new york the author no <laughs> no but the author got that idea because he was on a trip in the south and like some strangers approached him or something when he was lost but they gave him directions <laughs> like they helped him <laughs> <laughs> and and he took that idea and just changed it into this you know horror story <laughs> yeah yeah i bet that so guy thought funny, i had yes. a pretty mouth <laughs> <laughs> so i've always kind of like yeah been you know yeah wary of of that storyline where it's like yeah someone from the you know civilized city goes into like a rural area where people are backwards and evil but i think this movie does a good job of doing what i was just kind of saying before of being at like or, or of having it be the situation where both parties kind of like have a false sense of who the other mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Like, I think this movie would be like, we're totally on Kurt Russell's side, obviously, but he also is like kind of a cartoon version of this like big city elite. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like we were talking about the way he's dressed with the khakis and the tucked in golf shirt and his sunglasses and the fancy car. And we find out that he doesn't have the money that he's, necessarily presenting yeah. that he does and you know that's kind of the lesson <laughs> that the bad guys learn in terms of like judging that's right who this uh, city guy we're is. not so all I, rich I over I, here <laughs> don't rob me the movie does it's not gonna be worth your time <laughs> no don't rob uh, rob yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah he, he goes back to the diner and then he goes to meet this then he talks to the simple guy and the simple guy sends him down this road and it turns out that it's a sort of dead end and behind him mc ganey uh comes up and uh you know it turns into this big sort of chase action sequence where he's try to, trying to get away and this is where the car goes off the road i i love that reveal in the scene where he like screeches up to the edge of this cliff and then he just goes over the cliff <laughs> like he just he just floors it over the cliff and and it kind of tumbles down that's the four-wheel uh, drive this, this incline <laughs> yeah it really works in this car but it's it's one of those it's one of those great pieces of, of storytelling where you know you think he's caught and then he does that like th he chooses the third door thing where he just like goes down this cliff it was great and there's like 27 of those that's <sighs> partly it. what I, what i love about this movie. yeah you know there's great. like that's there's that story. I don't know if it's true or not, but you know they say like Kurosawa would would like give his writers like you know a situation like that where you think there's no escape or no way out, and then have them try to figure out how to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And I, I yeah, I love that that happens so many times in this movie, and like it it totally makes sense, and it doesn't feel like a cheat because there are repercussions for him driving off of a <laughs> goddamn cliff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's it's so good. Yeah, and there's the way it's done. Like we have like the hood of the car, and you see it going over the cliff, mm -hmm. and then yeah, it's magical. Yeah. It's magical. Yeah, it's well. Well, I also I one of the great things about watching this movie is like everything feels so real like everything in movies these days i mean i think either they're so used to cgi that they don't even i mean i like nothing feels as real as as the stuff in this as impactful as uh, anything like this like the fast and furious movies like those don't make me like squirm in my seat like the way that like the car action does in this movie 
Well, the, and it's all real for the most part. So I did watch a, a little bit of uh, the special features on on the Blu-ray. I, I did watch like an interview with the director, and he did say that all of the sort of action stuff is real, with the exception of at the very end, there's like a little bit of miniature. No, work. yeah, those are Hot Wheels um, uh, over the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so no, obvious. the trucks no. on the bridge for sure. Yeah. And Lego characters, vast... Lego Kurt Russell's, you know, we know. Right. But the vast majority of it is all like real cars doing stunts. And, mm-hmm. and that, yeah, that adds to the feeling that, you know, this is really happening and that you're right in it. It's it's so tense. I'm tense talking about it. It, it is very <laughs> tense, tense yeah. And also like, you know, we haven't really talked about it, but like the horror of the wife's situation of Kathleen Quinlan's situation is like, it's sort of bigger than the whole movie. And like, maybe it's, maybe it's like, maybe it's something again that we're more aware of like now, like, you know, how terrible the world is to women. But I mean, like when she is like kidnapped by, when she disappears, you know, like you really just think like the worst. And it feels like, I don't know. It feels very like, palpable and real you know and like in the end she's like relatively okay but like your mind goes to much darker places than this movie takes you i think well well the movie kind of takes us there yeah um that when mc ganey is is talking about like the her curly hair up like above and oh, below. jt jt walsh jt yeah. walsh yeah that's one thing i had forgotten yeah. is that the yeah the jt walsh uh yeah, basically implies that he's like sexually assaulted his wife. And yeah. it's I you almost get the sense too that like he's just saying yeah. that like as one of his many mind fucks cuz and he is just so vile. Mm. He is just one of I don't know if it's just my bias for liking this movie, but I feel like he's one of the best movie villains. Like wow. he is just so detestable. That's... Yeah. Yeah, I and just, he he's, he's also so real. That, yeah. And and he's good in the fact that he's so not expressive with his like evilness. He's not cackling, he's not like putting the pads of his fingers together. <laughs> he's just like this is what's going to happen. Excellent. Uh, I'll get yeah, you exactly. Kurt Russell, Jeff. <laughs> but like you know while we're talking about her character and like her her kind of role in this movie like i think one thing i was conscious of going into it is you know we've we've become a little more aware as a society of movies kind of like using female characters as like victims to kind of activate the male characters Mm. as as heroes in movies so i wasn't sure like how that was gonna play out in this and i think this movie actually does escape a lot of those trappings i mean like you can't you can't get away from the fact that the central premise is about a guy whose wife disappears 10 minutes into the movie and it's about him trying to find her. But like I was thinking about this movie a lot in terms of comparing it to the movie Frantic. Do you guys remember? Yeah. That movie? Like barely. It's Harrison Ford. It's a Polanski movie, which is a whole other can of worms. (laughs) But, but in that movie, like I think there, there are a few big differences and, one of which being that the wife character in that is just such a non-character. Like she, I don't even remember, I've seen that movie a lot and I don't even remember what she looks or sounds like. Like I think this movie does, even in the uh, 
small amount of time we get to see Kathleen Quinlan, they inject her with so much like warmth and personality that she's the positive one in their relationship. She's the one that yeah, keeps them so going forward. Yeah. It kind of like well for one it, it just it, it invests you more in in Kurt Russell's struggle, right? And then, too, they also, like, even in her absence, they find a way for her character to actually be uh, smart and, like, motivating the action. Like, because there's the scene after MC Ganey catches Kurt Russell and they take him to see J.T. Walsh and they admit that they kidnapped his wife. We find out that Kathleen Quinlan basically saved both their lives by lying, lying and saying that they were, like, the heirs to this donut contest fortune <laughs> or not heirs but the winners of this donut contest fortune and that you know so kurt russell knows the exact exact amount of money that he's going to say so basically like even though we don't see her she has saved both of their lives and the movie does little things like that that uh uh you know keep her from just being this kind of phantom victim figure wow. you know like the term just, fridging is used a lot yeah. for like when a when a female character is murdered yeah. and she's literally put in a fridge at the end <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. Uh, i was thinking about that when watching it fridging the woman but and but she does also get a big moment at the end too right so i think like yeah that this setup is like inherently you know something you want to kind of flag in terms of the issues we're talking about but i think like if you're going to tell this story this movie does it in a in a pretty uh i don't want to say progressive but in, in a in a responsible way does that make so sense you're saying if you're gonna fridge the woman just do it just really put her in a fridge i'm uh, not saying that <laughs> no, I know. i'm just kidding around i'm just kidding around but like no i i understand what you're saying that like i'm saying that if, that if she feels like a hundred percent yeah yeah no, I, but I don't even think that it is that true. I'm saying if you're going to tell this story about a woman that's disappeared and a man who's trying to find her, at the very least, you can make her a real person. Mm-hmm. And it feels like she's a real person. And not only is that, does that make your movie slightly less misogynistic, it also like makes the movie better because you invest so much in the Kurt Russell character's actions because you feel the investment in the Kathleen Quinlan character. You feel like this is a real marriage and this is a, a these are real people mm-hmm, trying sure. trying to save their lives. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's skip ahead a little bit. I mean, eventually Kurt Russell, he sort of he sort of hops uh, a ride on JT Walsh's 18-wheeler and JT Walsh drives him back home. And this was well, he didn't talk about the bank. How he he they sent him oh, to the yeah, bank that's to get right. the ninety thousand dollars. Send him to the bank, yeah, to get the ninety thousand dollars. And this is a really good scene too, because yeah, he go he goes to get the money. He doesn't have that much money, so what's he going to do? There's this guy. He's about to like tell the bank teller like what is happening, but then this like tough guy comes over and talks to the bank teller, and then you know, is this guy part of the bad guys or is he just some random guy? And ultimately, he doesn't tell him, but. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's the thing is he because he doesn't know who's part of this gang. Everyone that looks slightly working class yeah. is just might just be evil. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. the bank teller couldn't be in on it, but this other guy could. Yeah, totally. Exactly, it's that prejudice yeah. again. Yeah, and it's it's great the way he you know he's trying to figure things out. He goes into the washroom to try to like get something to fight back yeah. when he gets there, but he finds a a kind of plunger handle letter letter opener. Yeah, from the desk. And then also the the money bans so that it looks like he has more money than he does yeah. uh, to fool 
And that even even just that scene where he's in the bathroom and he's looking through the cupboards is so great because it's like again, you know, I I kept thinking watching this movie is like what makes it work is it it makes you feel like like you're in in control in a way because he's doing everything that you would try to do like right he, like a horror movie in a way yeah and then I I was uh, listening to the director's interview on the DVD and he was saying that same thing that his mantra for making this movie was like he wanted to have the Kurt Russell character do everything that you would do in yeah. that situation so like yeah having him rummage through the cupboards in the bathroom to see if he can find anything that he can use as a weapon is like what you would do in mm-hmm. that situation and he's also very sweaty smart. which is what i would be in that situation and yeah. really most situations <laughs> you're sweaty just describing I'm perspiring it. <laughs> like crazy over here yeah but yeah so then he gets he he gives the money to mc ganey then mc ganey sort of pulls him into the truck and eventually the the cop, the sheriff or whatever, I think he like pulls him over and he ends up shooting MC Ganey and MC Ganey shoots the cop. And then Kurt Russell just sort of leaves him kind of to die, <laughs> you know? Well, he, he, no, he radios him. And the he dude ra- was already radioing, him. you know? <laughs> yeah. He, he picked up the CB radio. He radioed Blaine's grandma. <laughs> she, she radioed the ambulance. <laughs> yeah, system. but what I, what I love about this, this scene is that we never need to see that cop again. He <laughs> has seen that this person is innocent, and he's like a good guy. He, didn't, he wasn't the one that shot him. He was the one trying to get away. Everything that he was saying was accurate. So like in the end, we don't need this big like denouement resolution where the cop's like, <laughs> that's him. That's the hero of of like Highway Seventy One. It would be 71. nice if they visited him yeah. in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, or just a scene where like his his arms <laughs> yeah, in a sling exactly. and he's getting ice cream with Kathleen Quinlan and <laughs> Kurt Russell. In <laughs> That's the end. what I needed from exactly. this movie. Yeah, and yeah. then he hitches a ride to uh, JT Walsh's house, and this is a scene that like kind of blew me away because it's such a weird reversal. And I kept on thinking this movie is kind of like Straw Dogs because. I mean, it's obviously, like, in some ways, like, Kurt Russell is this guy who has to, like, sort of prove his masculinity, you know, when these more manly guys take his wife, right? And then he has to be like, can I man up enough to get my wife back? But anyway, so... And, you know, that's, it's, that's totally what, you know, if we want to talk about, like, the the real original, like, evil trucker movie, it's uh, it's Duel. Right. Like, yeah. this the Spielberg movie. And that movie is literally about like a wimpy little guy who's just gone through a divorce, reasserting his masculinity by fending off this trucker. So yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a part of this, this sort of sub sub genre of evil truck. For sure. But the interesting (laughs) part that I found fascinating was that uh, we sort of get to see JT Walsh's family, which is sort of like, you know, makes him like vulnerable. Like, in a straw dog yeah. situation, if Kurt Russell decided to go apeshit, like, you know, he could hurt J.T. Walsh's family, his wife, Little Deke. What is, what kind of name is Deke? <laughs> is it short for Deacon? Oh, like Bill and Ted. Yeah. <laughs> He's just really good at hockey, that's all. He's just good at hockey. My wife is locked up in a hole in your fucking barn. And if you don't give me the key... I'm going to blow your fucking head off! Lauren, what's going on? I don't know, honey. Just stay calm. Your husband's a murderer and a kidnapper is what's going on. Now give me the fucking key! Freeze, mister. You don't want to do that, kid. 
Put the gun down. Don't listen to him, Deke. You just keep that gun right on him. It's an interesting scene because, first of all, it humanizes J.T. Walsh in a big way because he has this boy who he clearly loves. He gives him a little Swiss Army knife, probably Kurt Russell's. He's like, hey, you can use this when you uh, take your uh, first hostages. (laughs) See, it also makes him so much much creepier for me. That's what I was saying, yeah. Because the life. Like it's it's if you just if he just went back to like some evil lair, you'd just be like, yeah, he's the villain, he's gross. But like having him have this family who doesn't know that he's, you know, he has like a psychopath. Yeah, he's kidnapping people and murdering them in a, his barn. You know, thirty feet from their house. It just adds this layer of oh, I just hate him so much. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he's so calm through the whole interaction that it just really, you know, he's he's like the snake in the grass. He's just so chill. <laughs> he only has one level, him. JT Wallace. He has here, you know. He doesn't go any <laughs> higher. doesn't right. go any lower because there's nowhere else to go lower. <laughs> he is he's amazing. He died like a year after this yeah. movie came out, mm-hmm. way too young. And he is just incredible. I just think he's an amazing actor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I just uh, just coincidentally, I watched the uh, Nicolas Cage movie Red Rock West mm. the other day. Have you ever, guys ever seen that? Haven't no, seen never it. never heard of it. Weirdly, it's another movie where a drifter comes to a small town and is almost murdered because they run into J.T. Walsh. It happened a lot <laughs> in the 80s and 90s. It was a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and then they, uh, you know, they get... His wife from the freezer, they lock all the other bad guys there. Then the one bad guy who has escaped lets them all out, and they go chasing after them. They're driving away in this truck, and they're all chasing after them. And this is like, you know, the real, like, you know, the real, like, cool car chase scene. J.T. Walsh is in the 18-wheelers. The other two guys are there. One guy explodes. J.T. Walsh is sort of jackknifing his 18-wheeler, and then he, like, separates the saucer section from it. <laughs> I don't know what you call it in trucker terms. I worked at a truck stop. You think I you would know that. But... You don't know the truck terms, you just know the truck terms. That's, <laughs> that's great. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and then, uh, I mean, he, J.T. Walsh eventually like pushes the truck off a bridge. It's about to fall off the bridge, and then the truck sort of goes off, and like it's all hanging off, and Kathleen Quinlan is stuck in the cab of the truck because her leg is pinned, and Kurt Russell... He is sort of like dangling from the uh, is, from the transport. I love this stuff. Like this is the stuff in screenwriting that I just absolutely like. The fortunately, unfortunately, like fortunately, the truck doesn't fall all the way off the edge. But unfortunately, they have to climb up the truck now, and they're not like. I just love that whole game of the uh, of the script here. It's, it's yeah, it's wonderful. It, it never feels like unnatural or like the screenwriters throwing oh. in an obstacle like everything it's that comes organic. up yeah. is organic and it's not like it's suspenseful and there's tension but it's not like milked to the point where it feels phony like it yeah. it all just feels so real yeah. yeah and that like even that part with the chain where he's like whipping him with the chain you're like how's oh he God. gonna get out of this like i think that that's writing that I just can get behind and love. Like when you keep on like, how are they going to get out of this? And then they get out of it in a way that you would never think where Kurt Russell just grabs the chain and pulls him off the truck. It's a wonderful moment. In the eighties and nineties, we got so many action scenes where like the good guy, you know, beats the bad guy and has some terrible 
quip or mm-hmm. one-liner. Mm-hmm. And here, all we need is he grabs the chain. There's that moment where they both lock eyes, and yeah. JT Walsh knows that he's been beaten, <laughs> yeah. and that's all we need. And then it's he like the Western. It goes right into their eyes, like an extreme close-up. I totally. Love it. Yeah, and we've got those beautiful blue eyes of Kurt Russell, which are really on display here. We've got a few <laughs> a few scenes where, where they really uh, just showcase those peepers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're describing it like the Macy's Day Parade. I love that. <laughs> well, because um, you know, there's also like the scene where like he's hiding in the rafters of the mm, barn, yeah. and his wife's on the ground, and through the tiny hole like way above she can see his eye which sounds unbelievable but he's got yeah he's got like piercing sinatra eyes like of course she would see that from way down there i mean i'm surprised the bad guys don't see it it's casting like a glare (laughs) and and am i wrong in that scene that uh jt walsh takes his his um his truck into the barn and then she comes out of a bottom compartment so like the entire time that kurt russell was on that truck she was just below him like it's just heartbreaking i think it was the other it was the other oh, guy's barn okay. yeah or the other guy's truck sorry oh, yeah. okay yeah still I like my way better anyway. yeah but then the final thing is they see jt walsh sort of moving down there and uh what you gonna do about that well kathleen quinlan knows what she's going to do she puts the thing in neutral and then the uh, the transport uh, crashes down on top of him. Then he's extra dead. Yeah, that <laughs> not bottle. just paralyzed for life. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And the other thing that happens at the end that I I don't think I noticed before, but I was really thinking about this movie because I really love this movie. Was it's just like a simple thing to kind of like show what's happened to these characters, and that's that the very opening of the movie once the opening credits have finished the first shot is of that license plate on the jeep grand cherokee that says massachusetts Mm. on the shiny new car and that you know right there that's great because you know we see the landscape we see where they are we see that they're out of place It, it without you know a word of dialogue we kind of know what's going on but then at the end of the movie one of the last shots is of the license plate on the beat up truck that they were driving it's an arizona plate it's dirty and then you know the camera pulls up and we go out so but it kind of like you know in terms of these characters we have this visual cue for how they've changed for how they've been compromised and dirtied Mm -hmm. and traumatized by this experience Mm -hmm. it's so good yeah yeah okay well we have more for you i have some trivia and some behind the scenes action right after this break Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, welcome back. This is Rewatchability. We're talking about Breakdown. And I have some trivia questions for you. And, uh... If you answer them all correctly, I'll let your wives go. Oh, man. Wait, what? (laughs) Uh, Okay, so it was dark. It was dark. Rob gave them a ride on his bicycle. (laughs) (laughs) They both had to do doubles, so it was a 
I think that's a six time. I don't know how that works with the math. Okay, so... Oh, this one's interesting. The actress who plays Red Barr's wife, that's Red Barr is the J.T. Walt character. Do you think he's related to, like, William Barr? Sort of have some similarities, oh. you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. being psychotic. Okay, so the, the, the actress who plays Red Barr's wife is married in real life to which actor? M.C. Ganey. Incorrect. Damn it. That would be nepotism. J.T. Walsh. No, no, that would be nepotism. Okay. You can't Wait, just get your wife's in, jobs. in this movie? No, no. Oh, damn it. Can you give us a clue? Yeah, like what movies they've been in? Uh, okay, well, they met way back in the day, and one of their mutual acquaintances was John Malkovich. Oh. Is uh, it John Malkovich? No. Like, <laughs> uh, John Malkovich's best friend, Charlie Sheen. <laughs> That's correct. No. Okay. It is uh, Gary Sinise. Gary oh, Sinise my God. I almost part. said Gary Sinise because wow. that is also a joke in being John Malkovich. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they they go back to the uh, Chicago theater days. Steppenwolf. You know. Steppenwolf. Yeah. And they're yeah. both in that um, of mice and They're men. both in that popular rock group that sang Magic Carpet Ride. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget the pusher. Yeah, Moira Harris is how she's credited uh, in the movie, but um, her also her last name is also Sinise, which is you know just that's nice. Also, so nice. She is in a lot of John Mostow's other movies, or at least she's also in Terminator Three, which he yeah, also I saw directed. That he did that. Yeah. yeah, Rise of is that Rise of the Machines? I yeah, it was. It is. Yeah. yeah, I remember it not being very good. Also, it um, was not. Our friend MC Ganey also shows up in Terminator Three. You know, I don't actually mind Terminator 3. I know a lot of people hate it. I think once you kind of... Uh, I, For one thing, you have to set your expectations lower because it's not the first two Terminator movies. But I also think if people, you know, take a look back at the Terminator franchise, once you've seen the, <laughs> the movies that came after that, I think a lot of people are going to reappraise T3. Yeah. We could I do think T3 it's got some good someday. stuff. We could sure. do that one. Have we done Terminator 1? No. Oh, let's do that then. That's awesome. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) which 1994 Christmas movie reunites, and by reunites, I mean they don't share any scenes in this movie and they don't share any scenes in that movie, but which 1994 Christmas movie reunites (laughs) J.T. Walsh and the guy who played the uh, angry bartender? I believe his name is... Jesus. Robert Christ. McGee, maybe? Okay. Okay, wait. Was he yeah. cremated? <laughs> um, That's Sam McGee. Oh, I say the poem. Oh, I know. I think I know. What? Is, what it, is, uh, it? is it the remake of Miracle on 34th Street? It is. Yes, oh, wow. that's correct, J.M. Jesus. It's, yeah, I remember J.T. Walsh was in that. The guy's name is Jack McGee. Still a great name. And he plays the drunken Santa Claus. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But he's also in lots of things. He's like, I was looking over his uh, filmography and he's been in like a bazillion movies. He's he's like the sheriff in a lot of things like Basic Instinct. And he's in, uh, yeah. well, anyway, you know. Actors. He's also good in this too, because like he's he's creepy enough that. If you're watching it for the first time, you could be like, is he in on it? Exactly. But he's also like, he's natural enough that you're like, yeah, I would act like that too if Kurt Russell came in <laughs> saying what he was saying. 
And also, we forgot to mention the the great moment in the movie where Kurt Russell first comes into the diner and is looking for his wife, and the sort of like uh, <laughs> female barfly just says, "Looks like she got away from the cowboy." <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. And then she's like puking in the in the bathroom later. That's really yeah. that was a weird scene. And calls him cowboy again. Yeah. I'll be yeah. with you in a minute, cowboy. I'm not a cowboy. I'm a cowpoke. She'd probably just seen like Tombstone or something. Mm. Yeah. Or City Okay, City. so this one I ripped right off the IMDb trivia. So can you name three other films which feature both Kurt Russell and J.T. Walsh? Three? Three. Was Kurt Russell in Miracle on 34th Street? <laughs> he was. <laughs> he played Santa. Wow. He did play Santa later. That was was he... <laughs> that's what I was thinking of. All I can think of is John Carpenter movies. Was he in Big Trouble? Nope. In Little China? No. None of them are John Carpenter movies, I don't think. Unlawful Entry. No. You, now you're just saying crimes. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> was he in baggy pants with polo shirt tucked in? That was a fashion crime. Yeah. Okay, let me tell you. These are some good dark, ones. Dark blue. No. no, wait, that was after this. Okay, uh, one of them is Tequila Sunrise. I haven't seen that, okay. but I have had the drink. <laughs> and apparently Kurt Russell kills JT Walsh in that one as well. So, oh. you know, synergy. Also, they're both in Backdraft. Oh, oh shit. shit, of course. And yep. Executive Decision. Oh, oh, J.T. Walsh is in that? Damn. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. I was almost going to, like, because I knew that this uh, Blu-ray was going to come at some point in the month. I almost suggested doing just Kurt Russell month on the show. Uh, we. I mean, yeah, Good. that would have, that we can, yeah. It's May. Let's do it. Let's Why not? Kurt Russell month. Maybe we'll just do the rest of Kurt Russell movies. Maybe we'll just pivot to being a Kurt Russell only podcast. <laughs> the Kurt cast. The Russell cast. Damn it, yours is better. Yeah, but then people will think we're talking about Kurt Cobain. <laughs> or somebody else named Kurt. Kurt Vonnegut. That would be good. I'd talk about yeah. Kurt Vonnegut. There's also, uh, there's also a, a, already a Kurt Vonnegut podcast done by uh, well, so Alex Schmidt and uh, Michael Swain. Kurt Vonnegut. Hmm. Yeah. Check it out. All right. And it ended a while ago, but I think it's still online. This movie was a big success. It debuted at number one with $12.3 million, which doesn't sound like a lot in today's numbers, but also sounds like a lot because I've never had even $1 million. So... <laughs> Good for them, and it it, it it also earned you know fifty fifty million dollars overall in U.S. and Canada. So it was a big success for the sort of movie that uh, that it was. They did have some other people that they were thinking of to play the lead. They talked to Dennis Quaid, Bruce Willis, Mel Gibson, and Ed Harris. Hmm. All good bits, except maybe Ed Harris looks too much like that guy at the bank, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, all the white guys, you know, it's like, too many, too much. Also, Bruce Willis, get him out of there, too. Oh, my God. Imagine if the, if they got to that point and recast Ed Harris. <laughs> like, we, we're just too attached to this bank <laughs> He's really nailing it, you know? I did hear that Jonathan Mostow, he did want Kurt Russell. Like, he wrote this with Kurt Russell yeah. in mind. 
Yeah. Because Kurt Russell is like, he's the, uh, he, he can do action, but like, I don't know. You, you really do buy him as like this kind of husband from the city character. Whereas Regular like Bruce dude. Willis, I don't think you would have bought as much as that character. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I also love the Kurt Russell, like, he's just, like, I mean, he's tough enough, but it's also, again, it's realistic. Like, it's, in a worse version of this movie, it would be, like, they didn't know that, you right. know, uh, Jeff Taylor was a Navy <laughs> yeah, exactly. SEAL yeah. or, you know, exactly. something like So many that. ex-Navy SEALs in like movies. He, yeah, he's, just like, I mean, like, weeds. <laughs> There's just so many like Murphy's Law bad guys out there like you had to kidnap the daughter of the like most killingest Navy <laughs> SEAL ever like what yeah. yeah he's just a guy but he's like you know he's still like he probably goes to the gym <laughs> Jeff Taylor in the original script he was going to be a war photographer um, oh that kind of makes sense that's cool yeah I like that as a I, I I heard that. So in the interview that I watched with uh, Jonathan Mostow, he talks about that a lot. Oh, yeah? Um, <laughs> basically, like, so he made this movie with the De Laurentiis, like Dino and his daughter. And I guess, like, at a certain point, he he was attached to another project and left Breakdown for a while. So they brought on another writer to, like, punch up his script. And what the other writer did was, instead of having it open the way it does, like, with them on the road, they were like, oh, we can't just open with them. We, we need some context. So they added this 10-page-long prologue where we see Kurt Russell as, like, a videographer in, like, Bosnia shooting war footage and he's like so traumatized by it he's like i can't do this anymore we need to do i need a new job in california and that's what like motivates the road trip and so jonathan mostow said like he really didn't like that he said it was like well written and everything and you know it was fine but he just like he didn't want the movie to start there and he said he kept waiting for like people to be like oh yeah you're right we don't need it and so he like even like pushed it to, to be like the last thing they shot was that prologue, but they still, everyone was still the studio and the producers still wanted to do it. So they shot it. And then when it came time to like test screen the movie, he said, he thought like, well, when they, we test screen the movie, everyone will say to lose that opening, but the test screening <laughs> went really well. So every, everyone still wanted to keep it. And he was like, Oh fuck. So he said they, he convinced them like, let's do one more test screening, like literally like the next night. They did another test screening, but exactly the same, but with that 10-minute opening removed. And he said they uh, they showed it to the audience and, like, the studio execs. And he said when they finished and they were about to count, like, the comment cards, he said the studio guys were like, you don't even need to look at the cards. It's a much better nice. yeah. way. It would be. It would be. It's yeah. just you, you don't need all that context for it because – Almost in a way, if you have that context that he becomes a character that you can't really put yourself into. Yeah, he's no audience. longer an everyman. Yeah. Yeah. But I do like the fact that someone is like a war photographer and then something awful happens in their own personal life. I mean, that's a great movie. That's a great movie, just this not one. this movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But also, like, if he was a war photographer, I don't feel like I'm saying the word photographer right. Oh, I think okay. he was That's a videographer. videographer. So you can I say can that word. Say that. But like, if he was a war videographer, he would be a very hardened fella. Like, 
presumably he would be used to like seeing people die and explosions. He might even have training with firearms. You know, he'd be right. embedded with like army dudes. Like that's a whole different tenor of 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 character than than the Kurt Russell that I think we see in this movie. Who does? Well, and- he feels like yeah, somebody that you can be, somebody who's an everyman, someone you can relate to, and somebody who and- like would do like the stupid things like do like some karate moves with the plunger handle in the back in the bathroom <laughs> right yeah. right yeah. <laughs> yeah and i mean it also i mean your point earlier jm like is he having a breakdown is a question we ask ourselves ah. but if we if he's already had the breakdown because of being a war photographer then i think we're less liable to ask ourselves that question <laughs> so right. yeah i think i think it takes away from the movie to have that but that's cool that's that's really cool background for this movie that uh that was in there did you rob did you read about how this movie came to be what it originally was no the story that i read was that he had the idea while driving through the las vegas desert I, I yeah I think that informed like yeah part of the story in, in terms of like yeah fe- fearing uh, <laughs> locals uh, when you're on a road trip, but the sort of impetus behind the movie and I did not know this until uh, earlier today when I watched this uh, special feature on the imprint Blu-ray which did not sponsor mm. this podcast I don't know why I keep bringing <laughs> it up, but he said that <laughs> basically enough this movie began as an adaptation of the Stephen King short story Whoa. Trucks, <laughs> which uh, most of us know best as the story that inspired Maximum yeah. Overdrive. <laughs> Which is literally about evil trucks. So I guess they had the rights to the story. Like he he somehow be- befriended Dino De Laurentiis, who like gave him money to finish an earlier movie. They collaborated later. There, I guess De Laurentiis had the rights to the Stephen King story Trucks right. that had been made into Maximum Overdrive. And I think there is another movie version of Trucks, like a TV movie or something. But so it's a movie about evil trucks. He was going to make it for them. They began pre-production on it. But they found out that for some legal reason, they couldn't title the movie Stephen oh, King's Why Trucks, bother? Which is how they're, yeah, which is how they were going to market the movie. Richard so Bachman's because they Trucks. couldn't do that, they, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they had to scrap the whole movie. So, but they'd already done this, like they'd already found locations and stuff for, for the story about killer trucks. So... Mostow came up with this story, like he wrote Breakdown, to kind of use this pre-existing work that they'd done mm. to to get ready for, for trucks, <laughs> which is, is kind, kind of amazing. amazing. That's like, like making <laughs> gold from shit, literally. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, you have another maximum overdrive on your hands? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, one thing that I saw on IMDb, which I don't think is true, um, which I think is a mistake, is that it was based on the Dutch movie Spoorloos. Do you know that film, Jam? Yeah, that's uh, The Vanishing. The Vanishing. Uh, yeah, that's right. But I looked into it, and I couldn't find any other information stating that whatsoever. And there is actually a remake of the Vanishing called The Vanishing with Kiefer Sutherland that came out in 1994. So I don't know why oh, that's you would... terrible. You know, we were talking about the ending where the cop has his arm in a sling and they all go out for ice cream. <laughs> that's basically how the American remake <laughs> of amazing. The Vanishing ends. Wow. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, that's, yeah, she disappears at a gas station, which is similar. But that, you know, I, I was talking about that movie with my wife the other day because I was trying to think of other movies like Frantic and Breakdown where like, oh, 
a wife disappears. And I think a f- flight plan with Jodie Foster is kind of like that, but with her uh, kid. Right. But when we brought up the vanishing, but that like is much more about it breaks the perspective. Uh, like you see like the kidnapper and killer's perspective. And then, you know, it flashes forward in time. It's much more about like this guy's like obsession and the fact that he can't let this one thing go. So it's very right. different. I did read that or I didn't read. I heard in that same interview that he was inspired by the lady vanishes like the Hitchcock movie mm. that he saw at a young age, which is also about a character disappearing and also like a more compact uh, setting it's all on a train right um, i think that makes it makes more sense but i mean who knows maybe that w- maybe that was part of an inspiration like yeah sure yeah it's possible but you know just with imdb you know you got to check your shit fact check <laughs> yeah 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 totally um yeah well let's do let's go around and uh say uh how we felt about this one uh jm let's start with blaine blaine what do you think <laughs> <laughs> I, I really enjoyed this movie. It was one of those, like, we talk about Die Hard all the time in this podcast and, like, you know, Holly with the watch on and he mm-hmm. shoots the bad guy and that we think it's over and the bad guy grabs her wrist and he needs to get the watch. All that stuff. It's in this movie, too. It The, the bad things keep on happening and they keep on ratcheting up the tension and the suspense and the thrills. And it was a really fun movie to watch it also does take in the locations oh yeah yeah it's beautiful it was was a beautiful all those mesas and yeah and stuff it was it was a beautiful movie yeah Uh, it's a beautiful movie to watch and i think you're right jm the the bad guy is a is a great bad guy even the henchmen are good are good henchmen like that that kid pretending to have a a difficulty just because he knew the guy would buy it, uh, because he's from the city and he thinks everyone's like yeah, that. Yeah, we didn't. I think um, it's uh, Jack Noseworthy is the actor, mm-hmm. and yeah. we didn't talk about that too because he kind of puts on like almost like a Forrest Gump kind of a voice. Yeah, and it yeah. seems like a stereotype, and then you realize that that was a purposeful choice that <laughs> that he made as a kidnapper. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and I think... to 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 prey upon those prejudices that that the the uh Kurt Russell character would have exactly and and I think you know something that I noticed throughout the movie too those those kind of city folk versus country folk um and the class divide here is is really touched upon I don't quite know if the movie pulls off like um saying something good about it it's it's almost as if the city folk just went out <laughs> and the country folk are bad kidnapper people well they are so, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's just so country not... people are bad right that's we well, can I don't all know. agree on that right i i don't know if it's saying that necessarily and you know we also find out that those truckers and like jt walsh like they're not even from there like they dr- have to he has to drive all night away from where they are right. to get to his home so he is also kind of like a visitor in the that specific location yes he lives on a farm i I think that's definitely like a big part of of the story but like i yeah i I think there's something in the fact that they're all kind of like it's it's sprawling it's not like the situation where kurt russell is like intruding on his territory or something Mm, like part of the reason why this scam keeps working is because they keep traveling to different places and doing it right yeah 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, but then the end. I, I just, I just don't know, kind of what it says at the end because the the messaging kind of gets confused uh, because the plot takes over. And I'm thankful that the plot takes over. I like this plot; it's very, very fun. But it didn't have to have that messaging either. Like, it didn't have to say anything about class. It didn't have to have those things in it. But the fact that it does makes this such a more interesting movie and and gives us something to really talk about sometimes we find on the podcast we're really uh you know looking for things to talk about in a movie for time and and this is not one of those i think we could debate that for a long while and it would be fruitful so i i think there's just a lot to this movie that at first blush i didn't appreciate when i first saw it and i was delighted that we got to go back and watch it so i'm gonna say it's totally rewatchable jam what about you yeah, I love this movie. I think it's rewatchable. I mean, in terms of what you're saying, I think it's like, yeah, I mean, we could have a conversation about whether, you know, how we how we paint, like, people from the country as evil, as, you know, whether or not movies should do that or not. And I, But I think, like, the, this movie and this story and this messaging is specifically about judging people based on their appearances. And, and that's a good and, thing, right? And it's a good thing. No, but it, but like I was saying before, I think what's interesting about this movie is it's completely a two-way street. Mm-hmm. It's the the bad guy, see Kurt Russell driving a fancy car and don't realize that he is like a middle class at best guy who's living above his means just because he's decided to, you know, he's going through some kind of crisis of his own, him and his wife, and decided to, like, buy a fancy car, even though they can't really afford it, and completely uproot their lives because they're going through something. But they see that car, and they make a judgment based on that. They think they know who this guy is, and they don't. And conversely, Kurt Russell, at the same time, sees these country folk and thinks they're dumb. He thinks they just eat gas station junk food. He thinks mm-hmm. that uh, he, that he will outwit them or that, you know, they can just offer or take offers of uh, of generosity without the usual skepticism you might reserve for a stranger in the city. You know, like, I think... And again, like we see that with the character who like specifically tries to make it seem like he has uh, some kind of intellectual disability that, you know, he's playing him, Kurt Russell, uh, you know, he's trying to exploit that weakness and that weakness being him underestimating uh, people that don't live in a city. And so I think that works. I, I think that's the movie as a whole is just so tense, so suspenseful there with this kind of movie where it's like, like I said, like the, the best part of a lot of these movies is like the mystery, right? It's like Mm -hmm. his wife's gone. We don't know why the guy who she was with says he doesn't know who she is. I mean, like in a worse version of this movie, the twist would be like that Kurt Russell is evil and his wife uh, (laughs) wanted to get away from him and convince JT Walsh to lie for her. Like there are so many routes it could have taken, but, and I, I think that a lot of movies like this come up with a good hook for the trailer where it's like, here's, you know, the central mystery where we don't know what happened to this guy's wife. And when you go see the movie, once the kind of air is let out of that mystery and you know what's going on, the movie kind of peters out to a, a disappointing finish. But in this movie, somewhat amazingly, uh, 
once the kind of reveal has been made or, or you know, the, the pretense of the mystery is dropped when we have that scene with J.T. Walsh who wants him to go to the bank and get the money, like the movie only gets better. Like it, it gets more dramatic. It gets more tense. You get more invested and it builds and builds and builds until this climactic release where you just want – you can't even breathe until a truck fall, crushes this man to death. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I kind of like, I kind of think this movie's a is masterpiece too strong a word for a movie directed by the guy who did Terminator Three. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is. I, I just think I just think it's also just kind of perfect. Like, there's not yeah. an ounce of fat on yeah. the story. Like, it's ninety minutes long, and it just it just you just kind of plow through it and everything feels uh earned and nothing feels phony and it, it just i mean i knew everything that was going to happen and i was like shaking with, <laughs> with nerves watching it i don't know i i kind of love it uh what about you rob yeah i i was thoroughly impressed i yeah the mystery sort of took me in the situation you know made me very scared for the characters the action you know, kept me engaged. I was thrilled like every second of the way. All the performances are pretty great in this movie. I mean, there's not a lot happening, but like it is just like boiled down to its like essential parts. Like we have like a whiff of backstory for these characters, like really just enough to like make them make us know that they're not in a great situation. And then that's all we get. We don't know anything else about their relationship you know, except like what they act on screen. And it's it's really great. Feels like they're strong characters. We want to see Kurt Russell find his wife. They didn't have to like make him into like a total insufferable asshole in order to like get the point of this movie across. Like he's sort of like thick headed. Like he probably shouldn't have stayed with his uh car and let his wife go off alone. But uh I mean I guess in the end that saved their lives anyway because he, they probably would have just killed them both right there. But yeah, it was just I think I said last week when we were talking about quick change, like I really appreciate movies that play with tension and with uh your expectations. And I do feel like it's a little bit of a lost art or maybe there's just, you know, maybe I'm not seeing it in the things that I'm watching. But it feels so thrilling in this movie to, like, see all the pieces move and this bit complicates that bit. And, you know, you really don't know what exactly is going to happen until it does. And it's usually very surprising. So I think this is totally rewatchable. I mean, I think it is sort of close to a masterpiece. I mean, if you talk about a masterpiece as, like, one particular artist's greatest work, it's definitely uh, John Mostow's masterpiece because T3, not so great. I think the other movie he did was Surrogates, that Bruce Willis movie. Yeah, Yeah, which is not great. No. He did U571, too. Right. Was that any good? I think it's okay. It was okay. Yeah. But no, I think I think it is like also like the masterpiece of the genre. Like we talked about trucker movies and also like of these like road movies. And I can't really think of a better one from that era that no. uh, that would do it for me. It does feel like a throwback too. Like it does almost feel like a something that would, you know, you'd see in like the 70s, you know, with like truckers yeah. and all of that stuff. Yeah, but, there are like dual or like in the 80s with road games. Like yeah, the, yeah, totally. There Maybe it was a '90s thing too, but like the 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 killer truck driver movie, 
Um, uh, not killer truck driver, but did you guys ever see that movie Over the Top with Sylvester Stallone and some little kid? And yeah, he's a truck driver and he does the arm wrestling. No, that's awesome. It is awesome. We should do that <laughs> movie sometime. But yeah, totally rewatchable. Great. And that's rewatchability for this week. You can find us on the Apple Podcast. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Um, we're on all the other po- podcast platforms as well. If you'd like to become a Patreon, go to patreon.com slash rewatchability. Uh, you can order a T-shirt from Public. Anything what's, else? What's our CB handle? Uh, <laughs> we're, uh, we're the re- Rewatchability Rangers. <laughs> we need to get a better CB handle. <laughs> <laughs> 10-4 on that, good buddy. 